0: Hey everyone, you're listening to House of Business.
1: The podcast where we let our crazy family into other people's business. I'm Hope. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the family.
0: What's up everybody and welcome to the House of Business podcast. I'm your host, Matt.
1: And I'm Hope. We have an interesting guest on today because he sits in a little bit of a different seat than most of our guests we're gonna have on he sits on the investor side of things.
0: Yeah, we're entering the world of venture capital. And I think um, for the normal person, it's we think about the, the grandiose, big names, Silicon Valley concept of, of what those guys do. But yep. from, from us and the perspective we're coming from in terms of the startup, the entrepreneur The, you know, napkin sketch idea, he provided us a a great insight on the other side of the table, as you noted, in terms of what they're looking for for a successful company.
1: There's like an equal player to it, right? There's, you know, the business owner, but most of the time to get up and running, you need that, like other player, players, which would be
0: some kind of venture capitalist, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Essentially the money, right? And. Mm -hmm. For him and it was interesting and you'll hear it in the interview. It's you start at such a, a wide, vast net of of ideas and concepts and, and people you're meeting and you see how quickly and how often how many people he sees throughout the year to, to narrow that net down on somebody they want to get behind. So yeah, or interview.
1: even figure out what, you know, makes companies successful and what doesn't what's the uh, proof in the pudding that you need to present to someone like that? Tell us a little bit about Luke and his background.
0: Yeah, for sure. So Luke is the co-founder and managing partner of the Ember Fund. He is also founder and CEO of Tubergin Ventures, an early stage venture capital fund as well. Uh, and you know you're a big deal if your last name is, is part of that venture. Uh, he is an active angel investor and advisor in companies including Acorns, Begin, Prepaid to Cash, Dr. John's Candies, And small wins. Luke was previously an associate at AEA Investors Private Debt and Funds and an associate at PNC Bank in its commercial and corporate finance. Oh my goodness. 45 (laughs) seconds there.
1: Okay, out of all of those companies (laughs) that you listed off, which one do you recognize or would be your favorite?
0: Well, in all transparency, acorns, but I also skipped about seven different companies because I couldn't pronunciate them. So
1: And he probably has even more that he didn't even list. <laughs>
0: well I also just said pronunciate instead of pronunciate. So oh, I am I'm struggling here. But yeah, fine.
1: he's he's Canadian. It's
0: he's got a big Rolodex of, of companies that he's gotten behind. Um You'll, you'll hear us joke about in the interview where I, I'm pretty sure he's always wearing, testing, consuming, or, or trying out these different brands on a totally. daily basis. So he's a, he's a lucky cat in that regard.
1: I think that would be probably one of the best like perks.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm super materialistic. So oh, I think uh, we always have a question at the end of our podcast on kind of what your dream job would be if it wasn't what you're doing. And I, I think I said Luke and that would probably be true.
1: Wait, sorry. Matt's dream job is Luke. To be Luke. Is to be Luke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So wait, you didn't answer my question. What's, what company do you like out of the ones that you named? I don't even know any of them. Like you said something about Acorns. Yeah. I
0: recognize Acorns for sure. Um, and it's one of the few apps I've, I've ever engaged with. Um,
1: Which is funny because he said he's in consumer goods
0: but that's an app. Yeah, yeah. And and I think similar, I mean, I know more so on the real estate kind of equity fund side, you usually have a a focus of what you want to invest in, right, your fund structures, there's legal documents that give you parameters, but there's always interesting opportunities that kind of come just through affiliation of network or people you know that allow you to get by another ventures. So, I don't know the the in-depth structure of kind of what he has at, at Ember and, and what they're allowed to get behind, but that more so is on the tech side from what I know about it.
1: Yeah, but he, like he said at the beginning, consumer goods is their main focus.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. So, and it was interesting, I, I know we as a family, I feel like every week talk about a different company or or opportunity that we'd love to start or get behind or a creative idea. So I couldn't help but put my head in the perspective and, and thought of if we were to pitch Luke, how seriously would he take it?
1: Okay, Char and I have a great idea that I want to bring around for the family chat and like talk through it because it's a weird idea. But, you know, it might just be the one, you know.
0: Yeah, we actually, maybe we'll set that up where we'll come up with our top five ideas and we'll pitch Luke.
1: Yes, Um, that would be hilarious. I know he
0: said he likes to back friends and family, so.
1: There's no way he'll like that from
0: us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But we could try. We could try. What do we have to lose? I know. All right. Well, this is going to be awesome. We're excited to have Luke on. Hopefully he comes on again because I do think it'd be fun to talk more in depth about different companies and their journeys because i don't there's a lot of questions i have around this whole world in general
0: no i agree for sure we can we can press them a little bit harder i know um we may have some things uh, down the down the tunnel with him with some other opportunities where we can get on our our pod and everybody can listen to as well so we appreciate you luke and uh, hope you all enjoy listening <laughs>
2: Um, so is pretty interesting. We, we kind of approach um, investing in a way that most VCs don't. Um, we're, you know, founders, leaders, investors, creators, thinkers, um, and we activate kind of our collective experience and really our network to spark sustainable growth. Uh, we provide meaningful insights and solutions that really help companies answer all their questions and solve problems. We help them, you know, harness capital and, um, you know, kind of ignite opportunity across the board, wherever that might be. Um, we, we provide network knowledge and capital.
0: That's awesome. And then what's your key role in that? Are you kind of wearing all the hats right now or do you have a main focus?
2: So I sit in our fund, which is that capital piece. Um, and there also we have a kind of an alternative model where we provide working capital for consumer businesses and most VCs are writing a check for equity. We'll provide debt and then we'll take a piece of equity for kind of that network and knowledge piece. And we kind of earn equity in the businesses that we work with.
1: Okay. So for a, someone that's kind of new to this space, this is like kind of like a shark tank thing where someone comes to you and says, Hey, I came up with like a new water bottle idea or whatever. And then you guys like, what is that kind of, what do you guys do with that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great example because shark tank is a really good frame of reference for the type of businesses we're meeting. We're in the consumer space. So it's kind of brands and companies that you and I use and know. So water bottle, Yes. It's like um, it's products. It's yeah. like physical goods, um, that we use. Um, so people find us through multiple different ways. We have a really large network. So most of what we're dealing with comes through warm connections. Although we have a lot of people that do reach out to us that we um, don't know. It's called the cold outreach and mm-hmm. it happens. Um, and we just get to know those businesses and we kind of have our own criteria to to look at which ones we want to work with.
0: So, and I'm just curious, I'm I'm sure it's a revolving door, but how many companies a year do you think you guys, or startups, I should say, forming into companies, are are you guys assessing and ultimately deciding if you're going to get behind
2: them? Yeah, it depends on how how you think about it. Like, that's an interesting question because what does it mean to actually like meet a company? But in general terms, I think we like probably seriously consider several thousand a year. So oh my probably gosh. I did not expect you
1: to say that. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like, maybe like 25. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, no, we, we look at a lot and, um, and we probably end up doing like 1% of the businesses that we end up like yep. an will do a deal with. Hmm.
0: That was gonna be my next question. I don't know if it's a good analogy, but I feel like, you know, if you're doing a job interview and you're looking to hire someone, you usually know pretty quickly within the start of that interview yeah. if they're a good candidate for the job. Do you feel that's the same way when these these individuals come in or these groups come in with this concept where you can tell, hey, this is maybe a great concept but not a good fit for our fund or maybe it's just not a good idea in general? And how do you approach that?
3: Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, so our, our, our kind of thesis is let's have a wide funnel. You kind of think of it as a funnel. So the top of the funnel, you want to be kind of as wide as possible to make sure you're seeing every opportunity. And then you have different filters that bring that company th- through that funnel and it gets narrow and at the very end uh, are the deals that you actually end up doing. Um some you know some one of the reasons you might not do it is it just doesn't fit with your thesis, but great entrepreneur, great idea, someone else will go and fund it. Others might be, you know, we just don't drive with this person and we're not going to fund this deal because of that, but the product works, or it might be the inverse of like great product, but we really don't, or sorry, great person. Don't really drive with the, the product.
0: Right. Yeah. And that was gonna be my next question. I mean, I think there's, I mean, you addressed it already. There's the financials of the opportunity where the margins look great or, or whatever, and it makes it kind of a, a worthwhile investment for you guys to consider. And then there's the person, right, or the people involved in it, kind of the intangible portion of it. And of that, I mean, do you have any interesting stories that you're able to share where it may have been a super kind of early on concept, almost back of napkin opportunity, but the people you jived with so well that it was something that your your gut and your intuition almost told you to get behind them, and it's been a success story. Anything along those lines you can share?
2: Yes. Um, well, so for context, I came out of banking. And like high finance. Yeah. <laughs> where, and in that world, like it, it's an interesting space to play, but that's where like all of the math matters a lot. And there's a lot of people that are impacted and that are working for, you know, one company and working with big companies. Um, so when I got started and I was a junior in banking, and I'm just like a little Excel monkey, and I'm like, this is not that relational. And I'm a pretty relational guy. I, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know myself, and I'm like, hey, I like people. Um, I don't like being stuck behind a screen, and that's really where these this type of investing is attractive to me because it's much more relational. And so these businesses aren't as established, and so the people that are involved, you know, it's it's a speedboat. You know, you can move these businesses pretty quickly. Um, whereas, you know, large corporation is more like a shipping tanker where you're not going to move that as quickly. So, um, anyways, to, to your question, it's, it's highly relational and you're really trying to figure out, okay, is this a person that's a problem solver? And maybe there's all these other things that could go wrong in the business, but I believe this person can figure it out. So... One of the companies we highlight um, we got involved with when they were starting their Kickstarter campaign, didn't even have a website, didn't have a marketing plan. Um, and, you know, Ember got involved. That business has now become a hundred million dollar plus business and uh, has gone on to acquire additional businesses, you know, amongst itself. So. Um, we got involved, so helped them help them write
0: a marketing plan. I'm curious. So you say they pretty much had an idea at this point. Was that an right. example of a, a a warm introduction? Because I can't imagine that's a cold reach out. Right. guys, is a good idea. I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that they had to have some expertise, the people, um, and it was buying into them and trusting that they could, you know, whatever their concept was, it, it would work. They just needed the right resources to be able to do so.
2: Yeah, exactly, and that's where, you know, us coming to the table with more and uh, a lot of value out of saying, you know, we can help you come up with a marketing plan. We can introduce you to people that will help you get into wholesale. We can, um, you know, make an introduction to a person that's worked for a large corporate that you're trying to talk to and know how they think. Um, that's where we're really different than, especially most other debt providers. Um, is that we have a huge value added component to what we do.
1: So like how, um, I it's probably all over the board, but how developed does that idea or business need to be to like, even talk to someone like you?
2: It depends. Um, it, like I said, we we got involved with them when they were doing the Kickstarter. That's that's mm-hmm. early for us, even. Um, you know, for where I sit with our fund, where we're deploying capital and providing working capital to grow, we typically want to see a business that's done over a uh, sorry over a million dollars in sales in the last year. So that's kind of a hurdle, rate right, That a lot of kind of venture firms use. It kind of shows, okay. You have some product market fit. This isn't this isn't just an idea. You've gone out, you've tested. There's traction, and so now we can really scale. Um, You know, there's other players that look at kind of the beginning end of that spectrum of hey, I have an idea. How do I bring this to market? That's a little before where we get involved.
1: Have you ever like kind of on the flip side of Matt's question? Have you ever like loved the idea, but you like just
2: did not jive
1: with the founders, and you're like, "You guys just, I, we can't."
2: <laughs> I I do have one that comes to mind. Um, I liked the product. I even liked the the brand. Um, but the the founder was just like not my style. Just like yeah. pretty ag- pretty aggressive, like. It's interesting in the VC world, um, there's kind of two modes that a lot of people get into. It's either like, I'm going to make this into a billion-dollar business and we're going to grow gangbusters and we're going to raise a bunch of money to do it. Or this thing's going to be profitable. I'm going to sell it for 50 million bucks, but I'm going to hold on to a majority of that myself. and. It's interesting because at the end of the day, the entrepreneur, you know, depending on how all the math shakes out, can almost go home with the same check. Um, but it's a very different style of how to grow a business and what they're trying to do. I gravitate more towards the let's keep it profitable and scale in a sustainable way. But, um, that hasn't always been, you know, the, the sexy option in in startup culture.
0: Yeah. And I think that's interesting for you on the fun side, right? Because you have multiple companies you're getting behind. So I'm, I'm assuming your portfolio of companies you're investing, you're diversifying, right? On both ends of those strategies. So that that's an interesting takeaway. I do have kind of a silly question, but I also think it's important to know in terms of the products that you're seeing, are you testing these out personally? I mean, I'm sure your house is full of a million different items <laughs> that you've worn, tried out. I mean, what's that process like that's for? Yeah.
2: It. It's, it's, it's a perk for working in consumer for sure. Um, and just like walking around, going to, you know, target being like, Oh, you know, I know that brand. I know those people. Right. Um, and you start to realize that like behind all of this stuff are people that are working hard and putting things out into the world and being creative. Um, but yeah, we asked for samples on everything. Obviously we have to recognize I'm not the target consumer on, each brand we work with, the ones that right. I do align with, I'm like, oh, we have to do this deal. I like totally get this product, <laughs> yeah,
3: um, yeah, yeah.
2: but you have to get out of that mindset of like, oh, wait, we're, I, I'm not the only person in the world. Like there's a lot of people that are very different from me that make good decisions and, and yeah. are out there and doing things too.
1: Or even if it's a product for like babies
2: or mothers or something yeah, like I, that. I mean, I obviously can't do either of those things, so... Yeah. <laughs> That being said, I will, I will like ask, you know, my wife and my kids, like if they like stuff and obviously that's anecdotal and that's where like, okay, these numbers do matter. Sales matter. Like they're pointing to product market fit in the world.
1: Yeah. I like what you were saying about um, that there can be like, you can be a guy or girl that likes numbers, but also be really relational like sometimes when you think of like accountants and stuff you're like oh yeah they're just like desk monkeys or whatever and yet like I know a lot of the people even in our family or our circles are kind of a mix like you where they are highly relational but like love to think through strategies and numbers and like profitability and all those things so I thought that was really interesting what you said about that
2: yeah and I don't mean to throw shade on like all of yeah <laughs> banking and I like the people that I worked with were, were great um, it's more just it's a it's the ladder that you have to climb to get to um, the space where that job becomes relational is a lot harder yeah. and lower on the the totem pole if you will is a lot of you know screen time
0: yeah it's a it's a totally different world and I can more so relate on kind of the real estate, equity side and, and those types of funds. And and there is certainly a relational portion of it that's very important. I mean, there's a lot of trust and volatility, but at the end of the day, it's about the return, right? And and people want to see the numbers and if the numbers aren't worth their while, then there's no differentiation between them just investing in the market per se, right? So right. I totally understand what you're saying. I did have a curious question because I know, and I like the illustration you use in terms of your your filter where you mm-hmm. cast a wide net that you narrow it down that's a conversation based off of like inbound opportunity from just an industry as a whole. Are there, are there key kind of market trends right now, whether or not it's AI? I mean, we hear about chat, GPT, et cetera, that you guys are saying, Hey, this is a space within what we do that we need to focus on specifically and find startups to get behind early because there's a great opportunity. Are you guys focused in that regard as well? Outward?
2: Yeah. Um, You know, I think zooming out, um like all of vc it's very interesting to see where it's going because you have you have ai everyone's really interested in that right now like it was the metaverse right during Mm -hmm. the pandemic that's kind of gone away a little bit everyone's very interested in ai you have this new technology that's coming to market super interesting um as a whole the industry is shifting towards that profitability model right like the uh, economic landscape's changing and people are wanting to see uh, sustainability and be like, okay, we used to value everything off of top-line revenue and how big is this business? Now people are starting to value things off of the bottom line and say, how profitable is this business? Can we mm-hmm. you know, sustain a downturn if there's not more capital to go in and keep growing this business?
1: Um, Wait, so that's so like does, a
2: macro trend.
1: And how does AI affect, because you said consumer goods, like how does, how does that affect that industry?
2: So yeah, I'm not drawing a hard line between those two. I'm just saying like the VC world is starting to focus on AI. Everyone's starting to focus on profitability. That's true in consumer uh, mm-hmm. as well. And really want to see sustainability. Um, you know, it's interesting VC investment in like D2C direct consumer um, is actually down in the last year. Um, but DTC sales keep going up. And so we're like very happy to deploy capital and stay, you know, active in that world. A lot of VCs are focused on their portfolio, not wanting to deploy into new businesses and kind of take on those additional risks, just given the overall landscape. But, um, so that's really interesting the shift towards profitability, I'd say is, um, you know, a big, a big trend that's happening and the fundraising market is changing because of that.
1: Oh, interesting. What would be something that you would, uh, somebody that's wanting to be an entrepreneur, you know, maybe has an idea wanting to start a business. What would be some like advice that you would give someone like that from your point of view?
2: Um, just know what you're signing up for. Like it's, it's really hard. I think being your own boss sounds really cool. And, You know the influencers that we all you know look at and admire. It's like, oh yeah, they started their own business. They're doing this. They're doing that. Um, It's a lot of work, and there's a lot of competition out there. And so trying to come up with a fresh idea that is going to resonate, you know, it's always going to happen. Like there's always um, innovation, and I love to see what people are coming up with. But just kind of go in eyes wide open. Like it's not an easy road. To, as an totally.
3: entrepreneur yeah
0: we use like the sports analogy all the time where you know you look at michael jordan or lebron and i bring that up because you and i have a few <laughs> dollars to go but one still playing
2: them. and just got the highest <laughs> record it's <laughs> michael
0: <laughs> jordan it's not a question but anyways you see their successes and that's what we see in the public eye but nobody realizes to the full extent on how hard it is, the hours put in, just those times of turmoil, injury, just like the mental exhaustion, the physical exhaustion. And it relates here to starting a business and owning it. And we all have inner circles of people who are like that. It takes a certain type of person, personality, and even still, as you noted, People are wired differently, so they may be very successful. But when they walk in a room with VCs like a Luke or whatever, there might not be a compatibility there, which isn't a bad thing. Um, but it's just another hurdle to go through to find another source. So, yeah, uh, I totally understand that. Yeah,
2: yeah that, and um, you have to wear all the hats at the beginning, yeah. right? Like, yeah. and that's a that's a skill in itself. And as the business scales, like that, changing what type of leader you are, or like what your responsibilities are is a really hard task. I think, um, kind of relinquishing that and, and hiring on people to, um, take things off of your plate.
1: Yeah. And I think in a world where like, especially this like younger generation is seeing mostly the, you know, highlight reel, right. Is, you know, the failures, you know, they talk about like how many failures that you have to chalk up to that one success point. Um, is something that you have to be comfortable in, like being like teachable, probably like be able to morph and grow and
0: whatever. Be comfortable, yeah, being uncomfortable. It's
1: probably why, yeah, that's true. But and it's also probably why, like, you mentioned this, Luke, earlier on in the conversation about more people wanting to like just get to a point where they could sell it and like make that money because like maybe they're burning out too. Maybe it's not just like, oh, I want that paycheck as fast as I can, maybe it's also like. I don't know if I and or my family can like sustain this momentum Sure. would you, would you, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah. Again, I think like the idea of sustainability is really important and that's from like all aspects, like it has to be a sustainable product in the world. Right. Like that's table stakes. Now Um, it has to be sustainable from like a unit economics and the financial viability of the business and then has to be sustainable for the people that are running it and the person that's behind it um and so i think even from that point all of the a lot of the news in the vc world revolves around fundraising it's like this company just raised this huge amount of money to grow out go out and um you know make a bigger business and they raised it at this valuation and the company's you know growing what a success story what you don't hear a lot about and what I think is really interesting stories are the companies, again, that aren't going out and raising a lot of money, but they're growing profitably and sustainably and they're able to exit at you know uh, a lower valuation, but they didn't give away their business in the process right. and they didn't kill themselves trying to appease all their investors in the process. And, yeah. you, know, you can be smart about who you take money from. Obviously, that's a privileged position to be in, but it's something to definitely consider if you're, you know, going to raise money from someone, um, you know, know, who you're getting into into business with.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I did have a curious question for you, because um, I can imagine and, and going back, I mean, you. so you've gone, you go through your career, you're on the finance side. You come over to this VC side. Do you remember the first deal you ever committed to, got behind financially, and said, "Okay, this is it. This is this is me entering this space," and what that felt like? And
2: yeah, and was there like an emotional connection? I, is, like a- <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I could answer that a few different ways, I guess. Um, I so I'm working in banking. I'm I'm making you know money for the first time, and my friends are also, you know, early on in their careers. And I had a friend that was at a FinTech uh, and he was early and he was like, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to raise more money. Do you want to invest? And I was like, had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, <laughs> tried to act smart, tried to get on a call with, you know, the Hope and
0: management right
2: team and, uh, yeah. you know, ask questions. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm asking. And, and anyways, I ended up doing the deal and ends up being like a home run. It's great, great business still oh, in the market. Nice. And I'm like, this is this easy. Yeah, yeah this yeah. was oh, amazing. Wow. So then I like the emotions are like, oh, this is awesome. And then that's really what like, got me thinking like, maybe there's a different way to go through my career. And um, you know, not all of them have been happy go lucky stories, but um, that one definitely got me kind of thinking about things differently.
1: Yeah, what's like a larger lesson around like maybe your first um company you invested in that that like ended up flopping?
2: Yeah, the 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 one that went sideways. Um really it was it's kind of funny to bring this up after this whole conversation because it was one that I based like solely on relationship. I was like, "Oh, I know this person." Like, Everything and it, you previously yeah. said, "It's all about yeah, numbers." Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, it just like that that clouded my, um, you know, decision making. Where I was like, "Yeah, numbers aren't great," but like, I know this person, and um, you know, even like winding down the the business, it like, it, it ended up working out okay. But um, it just was like lesson learned, kind of in a similar way of like. Don't just base things off of feel good vibes. Like, uh, yeah, you, you do your homework. Right. Yeah, yeah. You got to. Cup- do you
1: like hesitate in investing into people that you know really well? Like, do you have like some kind of internal personal line there, or not really?
2: Um, not really. I, I'm like, I I wouldn't put a substantial amount of money, like per- like me personally investing. I'm like, I want to participate with my friends and like. If it goes down, then like, we'll do it together. I'm not going to, you know, put all my eggs in one basket, but, um, I want to take that ride with, with people I know.
0: Yeah, totally. That's great. Well, I'll end on this and and you might not have a different answer, but if it wasn't doing what you're doing right now in the space that you're in, uh, and you could start your career path over, is there anything else you'd be doing potentially?
2: Oh, man. I, I, I'm loving what I'm doing these days. Um, I think it would be not too dissimilar. Um, yeah, I don't have like a, a crazy otherworldly dream, but uh, maybe maybe living somewhere else or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: you're actually... A, a, that's a tough person to ask the question too, because I feel like when you come to work, it's something different every day, yeah, right? There's not true. a... One product that you're trying to scale, trying to get people to buy into, you're seeing several thousand different things a year. Yeah, it's
2: pretty entertaining. You get to meet a lot of different people.
0: Oh, you're trying it all out. It's so, yeah. I actually think if I answer that question, I'd say you. So, (laughs)
2: yeah. um, Maybe start, maybe I'll start a podcast. That's, that's yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. You've done great. Uh, (laughs) Seems like it's so fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been great. And, We won't take up any more of your time, but appreciate you joining us in the family, if you will. And uh, we'll definitely have you on again, Luke.
2: Well, thank you guys.
1: Okay. So today in the house, we have our resident fitness guru, Angelus, also newest to the family. And uh, the one with the most grace to all of our craziness. Uh, well, and then she's also- to
0: the family. Yeah, that's, that's true. Why. She doesn't yeah, know you, yet. Give me some more time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then also big brother Stett, the only boy in the OG family. We call the others the antis. We'll get into that another time. Um, but he works at a renewable energy company. He is a, fa- uh, what are you?
0: Managing partner.
1: Managing partner <laughs> at D3 Energy. And we invited them today here to talk through Luke Tubergen's interview with Ember Funds. Yeah. 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 Oh, wait. Before we start, also, it's house rules, number one. What We're not editing this, so what you say goes. If you say something stupid, that's on you. Number two, yep. no interrupting unless what you have to say is more important than the person that's speaking. Right.
0: And the reason why we're not editing is because we don't have the capabilities cool. yet to do that. We so. do.
1: <laughs> we just don't have time. And also, yeah, man, what do you say goes? All so, right. Did you guys actually listen to it?
0: Yeah, that's question one.
1: We yes, did. yes,
4: successfully. We listened to it.
0: So um, it's interesting For the world of venture capital, and Stets and I specifically, we talk about all the time, is when, when I think about VCs, I think about Silicon Valley, these big tech startups, almost like completely unrelatable to anything I would ever do. And ultimately would not know the steps needed to be taken to even get in front of these guys. So did you guys find it more relatable when Luke talked about it, how it was some of these warm relationships just through networking and and just naturally having these conversations with him, or did you still kind of leave there being like, how the heck, based on what I do, would I even get in front of these guys?
4: You know, what I took away from it is really the whole relational side. I yeah. mean, that is so true, because maybe, you know, you have people who he's met with in the past, and it's like, ah, it's like not a great fit, but love the person. And then they're going to keep innovating, coming up with ideas That's yeah. what these entrepreneurs do, right? Mm-hmm. So keeping that relationship alive if it's if it's good, you know, and they're like, hey, I've got something else to hit you up with, then, hey, maybe, you know, five years down the road, that's the thing. And that's the ticket that they want to go ahead and invest in. So, for me, the big takeaway was just keeping those relationships. Like, it might yeah. not work right now, but in the future, it definitely could be a possibility.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is like, and Luke didn't necessarily dive into it, but the hit ratio for, like, successful investments isn't outstanding. It's like right. 1 in 10. So, to your point you got the relationship, you trust each other, you know they're smart people behind the product. This one didn't work. We ended on good terms, but please be the first let, let me be the first to reach out to for your next one. And hopefully mm-hmm. one does hit in the future, right?
4: Yeah. And you know, all the people who are entrepreneurs, like usually it's not their first idea that's the hitter. Yeah. So oh, gosh. It, it usually like the hundredth. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I when I listen to it, all I can think about is Shark Tank. I don't care if you guys make fun of that, but when he talked about the people and the numbers when you're watching those episodes, you really do like some hit harder because of the numbers. Yeah. And some, they're like, no, that person definitely knows what they're talking about, and they can add their value there or whatnot.
5: Yeah, it was interesting to hear from him, you know, that, that unique blend of the relationship, but then the company slash product yeah. and being able to, you got to have one, but you need the other one as well. And right. so he had talked about some companies that he kind of fell in love with the relationship, but the product company wasn't there. Yeah. Um, but then on, on on the flip side, you might have a great product, but if you don't have the right mind that can drive that product and drive that company, you're always going to fall short as well. So I think it's finding that perfect blend of each.
1: Which one would you take more of a risk on, people or finances?
5: Um, I'd probably take more of a risk on the finances. Finances. If I felt like I had a real winner of a human being of a leader, yeah, I, I, I would. I would venture to say they're going to figure it out, right? Take up Elon Musk. Like he might have failed on his first couple companies, but he was going to figure it out with something eventually.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, I agree with that. Uh, I. I think you have to have I mean, the numbers ultimately have to work at some point, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, and when on the V c side, you're so early on in the process, usually that a lot of it's projection based or there's just like a small sample size of, hey, this is the success we've had at this scale. where we've hit a glass ceiling. We need to go here. and you can pump as much money as you want into a concept at that phase of the business cycle, but if the leadership and the person behind it doesn't have the ability to manage it at that scale or have the vision-
4: The clear vision, I was like gonna, gonna say that because yeah. there's been companies too, like just from entrepreneurs that I know that I'm like, the vision is so scattered right now and they're getting that funding. Mm. And it's like, at what point, and also their user base is a smaller base too, but they have to make these projections look- right. Outstanding and like, you know, because you want people to believe in this dream. Yeah. But then when it's not working on those projections, you're not hitting them. It's like, okay, do we pivot? That's like the scary part of it all. And then you've got the investor side being like, what's going on? Well, and how
0: do you successfully pivot, right? That's somebody who understands what they're doing is like, hey, we've gotten this far.
4: And sell it. Right, it's the right move. Well,
0: that was gonna be my next question. Because so, so Luke brought it up, where you have the entrepreneur who's in it for the long haul. So they might get to a successful point and then they sell off a portion of it, yeah. but they stay in the business. Yeah. And then there's the other one who's trying to get you know inflate the valuation as much as they can and get out and sail into the sunset. Where do you guys fall? Would you rather be in something for you know the passion long term, or would you rather just take the nice? Chunk of money and sail off in the sunset.
3: (laughs) If your
1: answers are different, this is gonna be hilarious.
5: Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm interviewing
0: you right now for an
5: idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd probably like to be somewhere in the middle, where you take a payday, but still have an involvement with the company as it continues to grow.
1: Like forty nine percent, or like fifty one, where you're still having like mostly control.
5: I'd like to try to keep 51. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> no, but I, I think that. I'm, so I'm with you there where it's somewhat of a split just because then you get that little bit of the payday. And if you love doing this and investing in different companies and finding it, then you have more capital to work with. Yeah. So you you get that. And obviously, you know, you're, you're hopefully believing in it at that point. Well, if not, you're like, I'm out.
5: Going back to your Shark Tank analogy, at least from most of the episodes I remember Shark Tank, a lot of times they were talking always about taking equity in the company. Yeah, what Luke said kind of sounded like a different take on the VC world. With well, the debt side, it's, too. it's mostly a debt side.
0: Yeah, he plays on both ends. Yeah, and, I have questions and about that. He
5: kind of said he, he he earned the equity with with bringing in either network or experience things like that. So I'm I'm curious how that works out. On and it's probably on a case by case basis, but um, well, you know, and he's also like retail right? investor. Is so. that
1: more intriguing? To play the debt?
5: Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I would say it's a, you're not having to give away equity of your company, mm-hmm. right? But on on Luke's side, then they're really kind of more acting as as a lender at that point. So I'm, yeah. cu- I'm, I'm curious of the curious. Well, it can mitigate,
0: think, so I'm not going to speak on Luke's behalf and we'll get him on again, but <clears throat> if he's on the debt side, it can mitigate risk for them on the front end. So, <clears throat> sorry, if they needed to, like I said, if it was a clothing company, and they just needed to stock up on product. And they just needed essentially a line of credit or whatever, if you will. And they gave a preferred interest on the front end they, that always comes first in the capital stack. looks yeah. guaranteeing a return. And then on the back end, as it transitioned over, it said, hey, it's contingent upon if your success hits this hurdle, then we roll over to an equity play and we yeah. get first right of refusal. I mean, that's a great strategy. I don't know if that is their strategy, yeah, yeah. but it is an interesting dynamic. And then on top of that, I always kind of weighed out the pros and cons of what is stopping an individual from just getting a traditional line of credit or loan from the bank? And yeah. what's, what's pushing them over to the VC side?
1: Yeah, why would they need that from the VC
4: world versus a
1: bank?
0: Aside from just the expertise, right? And I guess that's the big part of and it. And like
4: connections
0: yeah. and things like that? Yeah, like the Rolodex. Absolutely,
4: yeah. yeah you know, it's yours- like, oh, I'm involved in XYZ company. I can kind of introduce you and yeah. so many people that they work with. But does that mean that the
1: lending like percentages are more than a bank?
5: It depends. Yeah. That all depends on the risk. I would yeah. say for a for a startup, it's going to be pretty tough to get a large, you know, non-collateral loan from a bank. Where a venture capitalist usually has a lot more of a higher risk appetite.
1: And like flexibility too, probably.
5: Yeah. Yeah. You know, so a bank's yeah. going to be a little bit tougher to get any kind of – so that I think that's where like a Luke's company can come in, it has a larger risk appetite, can provide that debt. And that's why that uh, help
0: ratio is, grow. I mean, the success stories are not as high, but when they do hit and when they're in that early, the return is, you know, much higher in multiples
5: mm-hmm. than a traditional yeah. loan. So. Yeah. Then the well, one. and a lot of times with these companies, you know, depending on the type of company, but especially like a product company, like it sounds like they focus on, you know, those early stages, you don't need a lot of cash flow. Right as you're kind of organically growing and coming up with this you know, product and everything, but it's like to kind of go from like those infant stages to then that million dollars in revenue, like you talked about, Yeah, that's really where you're going to need that influx of cash for marketing purposes, for hiring sales guys, all that kind of stuff that flows. It's like,
1: that's the pivotal moment where it starts to get a little bit heavier. for yeah, Your that.
0: burn rate is yeah. just accelerated and you're just trying to, you know, Feed the machine. Yeah. To
1: grow. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but he said they have to have at least a million dollars in sales, right? That's preference. what he said. Yeah, that was yeah. his. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So they're getting in a little bit later staged than like as you know early early.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: Um, but I mean, like I know from our experience as we've grown, cash flow is is a is a major stressor for any any new company, you know, because as you grow and you know, think for for these product companies, for example, like. They've got to put cash out to get these products, to be able to make them, yeah. to then be able to sell them. So you start to run into this wall where like, hey, we're, we don't have the cash to be able to purchase all of this these products, to be able to make them, to then be able to sell them. So there's sometimes that gap that, mm-hmm. that can be a challenge.
1: Yeah.
0: So I want to switch gears and get on the creative side because you guys are both familiar with the fitness industry. And yep. when Luke was talking about these products and just... I mean, he's got clothes, like I said. I've seen like floaties in his pool one time that look like pizza slices, (laughs) and he just (laughs) sees all these creative things. I think the fitness industry has seen a lot of innovation in terms of product or just consumer-based items. Has there been anything you guys have come across over the last couple of years where if you had had the capital or had the opportunity to invest in it, you would have been all about it? I mean, I think energy drinks might be one of them for you guys, (laughs) but but has anything come to mind or – or any crazy ideas you guys have had that- Outside of
1: like protein and like the basic baseline, like yeah. something Peloton. innovative. Yeah. Well, Peloton <laughs> was a great idea. And then- Yeah, we talked yeah, about Yeah, but so- I
4: mean, if you got in early on that and believed in it, then yeah. That, I mean, people- probably made bank if they got out. Yeah. Um, I don't know if tonal, you guys both have the tonal, like that's Big tonal You could
0: probably tell, <laughs> huge, <Yeah>. right.
4: <laughs> but that's another like huge one. That's like, wow. Just it completely, you know, and also the marketing on it. We talked, we just yeah. talked about the marketing dollars, right. like some of these companies, it's like, you know, now a tonal is a different story, but if it's a, a product that is easier to make and a lot cheaper to make, um, in order to get your product out there and be like just a little bit different, it's got to hit the marketing side a little bit differently. So whether that be through social media ads or trade expos or whatever, it just, it takes cash.
5: Yeah, totally. And the marketing component has completely changed over the last, call it, you know, 10, 15 years with social media. Yeah. Yeah, you think of, when we were growing up, it was infomercials, right? The shake weight or something like that. Totally inappropriate.
2: Totally <laughs>
1: inappropriate that you went right there.
5: Um, and like, and now yeah. it's all about influencers driving products yeah. and who's using it, and who's wearing it, and all that kind of stuff. I've been so-
1: telling Angie about an influence I follow that is uh, like focuses on postpartum women, and yeah. she blew up and has her own all X Y Z things. Yeah, but yeah, it's sure. like she just totally talks about your core and all the things that happen as a mom and you're growing a baby and, and it's
0: yeah she blew up. I also thought it was interesting so going back to tonal is I mean we were the covid adopters of fitness yes, right you were. where we went to the gym everything shut down and then we pretty much made the home gym and tonal was part of that but now that we've come out of it I feel like there's two camps right where I and maybe hope and your family your husband steve I'm like I'm never going back to a public gym Oh I like yeah, all this equipment I'm into it, the tech part of it. And then you guys, you guys like going to the gym.
4: Oh, I love it. Yeah. So
0: it's interesting to see, you know, regardless of the marketing, just like the social Mm -hmm. uh, component of it will still influence you in different ways. And um, I still love Tonal though.
4: I know you do. It's, I mean, it's really interesting all the data that you can collect from it. That's what I love about it. But for me, like going to the gym is, it's an experience. It's an event. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so
1: I have a question um, with what Luke was talking about and the ups and downs, and the roller coaster of you know those guys that are starting their own stuff. Angie, you've competed professionally um, in the bodybuilding world and have seen like as like as you've overcome and gone through like ups and downs. Like, how would you connect that to like you know, your career and like comparing it to, you know, kind of the same roller coaster that some of these yeah, like the hard work. Yeah. Entrepreneurs would yeah. feel.
4: Yeah. I mean, from the entrepreneurial side, for sure. If it, if it comes to the competing aspect, you're going to lose more times and you're going to win. That's it. Like hands down, unless you are, you know, the top person, that is something that you need to understand. So you need to have thick skin. Mm. Um, also on the competing side, you are being judged and evaluated. If you're an entrepreneur, your company, your product is going to be judged and evaluated too. So it's it's one of those things where it's like those those highs, they're going to come every now and then, um, but they're few and far between. Uh, but the effort and the work, the day-in, day-out grind that comes with it, those are probably very, very similar. Yeah, and you can't hide results. Yeah. You know,
1: like it is what it is. And I think that's really like yeah. relatable.
0: We talked about it in another interview too where – there's just that phase, and this is like the fitness analogy, where you work your butt off and you don't see results. And you get to that point of, like, why the heck am I doing this? Yeah, I do want to I jump out? Pizza, yeah. I want to go drink a beer and, like, it's not worth it to me. But it's like breaking through that threshold. Yes. That is crucial to you ultimately. You gotta
4: know, hang in there. Yeah. Like, if you don't hang in there, I, I tell people, like, the magic is like, is about to happen? Like, keep going, keep going. You, it's only been just like a little bit of time, you know, you can't just give up before. Um, yeah. and that's why a lot of people for fear of failure is why they, they don't start. I know there's been things in my life, you know, that we've even talked about where it's just like, sometimes like the, the fear of failure and getting started and the time and the effort, do I want to do that? You know? So you have to be so passionate about it. Yeah. Um, when you're going to begin.
1: That's so true, Stets. You've been a part of something from the ground up. Would you see any benefit with tapping into that VC world, or like challenges? Like, what are your thoughts around?
5: Yeah, I think I, I kind of mentioned that earlier. I think that that cash flow challenge, you know, because it's one thing if you get a, a a huge influx of of cash up front, because if you can just scale a lot quicker, yeah, from a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective. If you try to do it truly organically, it can take a lot longer.
1: Yeah. You know, and a
5: lot of times you'll hear about these companies that have grown within five years; they're a you know multi-hundred million dollar company. What you don't realize is that a lot of times those companies, not 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 in every case, but you know had, hundred million put like into seed, it right. to money. grow it. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So money know, makes we, money in
1: a
3: lot of
5: ways. Yes. Exactly. So so for us, it was a lot more of, of, of an organic start from the beginning. Um, and I and 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 now that we've kind of hit this phase of real growth, uh, you're, you're definitely seeing the need for that yeah. that that influx of capital. But it's the
0: timing too, right? So what's interesting is, I would venture to say that if you went out and and sought capital or equity, if you will, from a VC a few years ago, the value of your company, you would have had to have given up a lot more. Right, exactly. So now you're saying, hey, this is what we've done. This is what we're projected to do. You'd be able to get probably the same, if not more, mm-hmm. kind of backed on the financial side without giving up as much of your company. Yeah. So you you get your, your it's the timing, right? And yeah. That goes back to the question on for the individual who... Is entrepreneurial more in the the sense of like a serial entrepreneur trying to grow a business as quick as they can and selling it to make the money, which is not a bad thing, or for the person who's like the passion and just kind of the legacy of it? Um, that's kind of where you have to navigate between those those two scenarios. So totally, it's a good example.
1: All right, so our last question is: if we were gonna pitch Luke oh. uh, an idea or a product offering, like what what are our best ideas? <laughs>
5: Do we have any? Okay, I'll start. I'll start. We're always, we're always brainstorming. Yeah, I know we are.
1: I'll start, um, which I can say this because we'll probably never do it. We're going to have
0: to send like NDAs to all listeners. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, for real. Um, ideas.
1: Well, Shaw, this is like kind of totally inappropriate, but we have lots oh, of boys God. in this We have lots of boys in this family. <laughs> we to
0: get canceled before we yeah.
1: Even start. I know. Yeah, wait till you hear my idea. We have lots <laughs> of boys in this family. So we, Shaw and I came up with this circ diaper. <laughs>
3: And we were- good. And CIRC
0: stands for? Circumcision.
1: Okay. Oh, my God. It's a lot of process, okay? There's a lot of things involved those first couple of weeks. And Char and I were like, what if we came up with a product and we could sell it to hospitals and doctors' offices? But I think- All right, pitch it to Luke. Steve's going to be pissed that I even brought this up. He's like, don't bring up the CIRC
3: diaper.
0: Well, it's we could like I remember way back, we had like the protein beer idea. Yep, yeah. yeah. That- well, how
5: can we drink but
0: still- you know. Has that ever games. happened? And then,
5: and, and then protein coffee, protein coffee. Which, well, that, which that I've seen. That, that
4: yeah. That's I've actually seen. a thing. Yeah,
1: that's a thing. Wait, you guys came up with that idea before? That. Before it was a thing. What's wrong with you guys? Yeah, the protein
5: true. beer. The idea was like, oh, if you're going to be out at the bar and drinking, <laughs> that also sounds like a. Four, disgusting. four or five yeah, really beers in in the afternoon. Right, you could get a protein intake as well. It
1: sounds like frothy, it, like an oh. Irish car bomb. Wait, has anybody There's done that? Wrong
5: with an Irish car
0: bomb?
1: <laughs> oh,
4: sorry, it, it curdles. It's <laughs> um, does has anybody done it yet? I don't huh? know. The the pro, no the protein beer no the coffee Diametize has done it with uh, a yeah. a combo with a uh, Dunkin' Donuts.
1: Oh, okay. Had, yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I remember we'll have to get, the get them one. on here oh, yeah. and yeah. see if, uh, we were close to mm. the <laughs> <home
1: door. laughs> anybody else. Does anybody else? Any?
4: Angie, did you have any? No, I don't know. You should have made me think about this. Prior. Okay. Actually oh, I have no one more. This
1: is already kind of a thing, but I remember like being in restaurants and this is like years ago being like, I don't waiting for the waiter or, you know, or like to get out, like when you're ready to go, I just want to like, literally like Check, like swipe my card or like whatever. I don't remember when you guys traveled to um,
3: New this Zealand. New
1: Zealand before COVID, the, like swiping cards at, or them taking your card from you and swiping it was like not a thing, no. right? Yep. And I, I always remember thinking like, oh, I should come up with like an app. That could like you could just check out, which we kind of did that at that restaurant recently. Yes. Bar Taco. Yep. You yes. could just order, and they
4: it brings it out. I we loved it. Dad hated it. We were all violently confused, but
0: yeah, yeah, we're bad. big but like put a a family. Yeah, yeah but your dad
4: definitely was. Well, we were dad all was, was
0: direction.
4: I was. I think I, I, <laughs> yeah. think I probably charged like five hundred dollars worth of tacos. Dad was <laughs> so annoying now. because
1: he just started eating other people's food, and yeah, we're like, he did. that's not. What, what did you order? He goes, I don't remember. We're like, this is stupid. But this is
0: exactly why, like, you go back to. The, the numbers or the people, Luke wouldn't invest with us because we're crazy. So mm-hmm. we wouldn't show
1: matter. him our crazy
0: side though right away. Yeah, not yet. No, <laughs> it's um I'll add to it's funny, I mean, you know, stats or the three of us with Steve. <laughs> a, a big hurdle that gets in the way for us with our creative ideas is we'll go, oh, here's this aha moment. Yeah. Let's do this. And we almost start to overthink, mm-hmm. right? Oh, totally. And overcomplicate it where Taking that like leap of faith, or being being afraid to even start, yeah. I think is our biggest crutch.
5: Yeah. Analysis we did,
0: paralysis right? that happens
5: well, to a lot yeah. of
1: people. Well, also we all have to still pay for food for our families, yeah, <laughs> so we true.
5: can't like quit our day job. Yeah, I remember a, a conversation I had with a pretty successful, like kind of serial entrepreneur, and he had told me. You've got like your dreamers who are the ones that kind of come up with the idea, but then you need to have like a doer on that team. Yeah, implement- oh, um, Char
1: that. always talks about that rocket
5: fuel. Yeah, yeah. that can actually yeah. implement. So you got a lot of people that have good ideas, but then there's the, they they lack that ability of like, okay, what's the immediate first step?
4: Yeah, they can't execute
5: the second yeah. step, and the yeah. third step, and so th- uh, this guy I was talking to was kind of the expert on like, all right, what are those first couple steps? And that had w- that's what made him different and successful versus kind of your dreamer yeah um, but then you still need the dream too. so I think that's where you're able to find you you got to be able to create that right team that can do that. So I think th- to your point, we can sometimes get stuck on the dream side yeah. right? who's gonna implement yeah okay yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, what what, like, what are we doing here? so
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, this is really fun, guys, thanks for joining us. We will have you back on mix you guys in with other family members and uh, any last thoughts?
4: No, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah, awesome. thrill to
5: be here. Mm-hmm.